Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the premiere of Season 3 of The Twisted Mirror. It has been a while, so we have some catching up to do. First, I want to give a special thanks to this episode's guest voice actor, Katie from True Crime Campfire. Last season, her partner in Roasting Murderers, Whitney, voiced Blessed Are the Meek, the first episode of Season 2. When I wrote The Hunger, I knew Katie's voice would be perfect as the sardonic omniscient narrator, and she graciously agreed. I think it's easy to underestimate how exhausting it can be to narrate these stories, particularly the multi-parters. They require a lot of sustained focus and dealing with pets in the background, meowing for attention. I'm looking at you, Simon. And it always seems the whole neighborhood wants to come out and have a clogging convention as soon as you press record. So there's lots of starting and stopping. So it takes a while to complete a story of this length. Katie has a lot going on with her own show, and taking the time from her busy schedule to bring this story to life is a real gift to us. True Crime Campfire stands out in an endless sea of true crime podcasts. I don't know how they do it, but they continue to find cases I have never heard of. And they bring humor directed at the idiot murderers and insight to every story. So please give them a listen if you're looking for something fresh. I would like to take a moment to thank patrons of the show. Twisted Mirror is an independent podcast. I write, voice act, and edit the episodes. Through growing the Patreon, I will be able to create more episodes and provide longer seasons. If you aren't a patron, you're missing out on getting episodes days in advance, multi-parters all at once, and unabridged versions, such as the one for this story, The Hunger. There's also bonus episodes, such as Behind the Mirror, a director's cut where I speak about writing each episode and the themes within it. Bonus true horror episodes, a horror meditation, and more, and it'll continue to grow over time. $10 patrons get extra perks like stickers and starting this season an opportunity to enter to voice a story intro or get a character named after them in an upcoming story. Um, personally, as a writer, I think it's it's fun. Like, I would love to just be a character that gets killed. It's like, I just think, that, think that's so fun. So if you want me to murder you at some point, uh, liter- a literary murder come and check out the Patreon. <laughs> or maybe I don't kill you. Maybe I just, uh, I make you the killer or uh, a really annoying neighbor. Who knows? There's only one way to find out. And um, I'll continue to think of other cool bonuses as the Patreon grows. Tiers start as low as $3 per month. You can also get merch at twistedmirrorpodcast.com. Drink the blood of your enemies in a Twisted Mirror branded mug or stretch your stuff in a Twisted tea. As a way to celebrate kicking off Season 3, you can get 15% off merch using the code TWISTED, and this will last through October, through spooky season, which is also when my birthday is. I'm Obviously, I'm a spooky person at heart. I was born in the spookiest month of the year. Finally, you can find Twisted Mirror on IG, TikTok, and Facebook. Just type in Twisted Mirror or go to twistedmirrorpodcast.com for direct links. I also want to take a moment to remind you all that content warnings are always in the show notes. 
this particular episode, I wanted to really bring that up because it has a common theme that can uh, be tough for some people to listen to. So you might be able to guess what that is just based on the title. But if you want to double check, this is a good time to pause and go into the show notes and just make sure before you proceed that this is something that you can listen to. Now, get out your Windex and microfiber cloth. The mirror is a bit dusty. And let's see what's going on in the warped reflection of our world. You are now staring into the twisted mirror. Years ago, I went on a trip to visit extended family in Puerto Rico. On one of those days, we took a trip to El Rio. We hiked through the jungle to an isolated river. We swam and hopped on slimy rocks that I imagined were lily pads. I remember feeling like we were real-life Mario Brothers, hopping from one obstacle to the next, trying not to fall into the water. I watched my brave uncles jump from massive boulders and slice into the dark water below. It's a core memory marked by photos I have seen countless times when my mother busts out old picture albums. One that should only be recalled with innocence and glee. When the photos were developed shortly after we returned from the trip, yes, it was that long ago, all I could see in every picture of me laughing and having the time of my life, balancing against my cousins on uneven, slippery stones, were my belly rolls. I was nine. It took me decades to look at those photos and not feel shame. It wasn't enough to be smart or funny or athletic or kind. Those were simply consolation prizes for the plain girl. Eventually, I grew up. My body changed. I experienced thinness. And just as I had imagined, it opened up a whole new world to me. There are undeniable perks to being thin. But it was only then I learned a little secret. The pursuit of thinness can become an addiction, an obsession. It can consume you. It can steal the very joy it promised. Today, through the mirror, we meet a woman whose quest for physical perfection consumes her. Yara stood in front of the mirror, her top up, pinching the flesh on her abdomen. Pinch an inch, she thought. What about a handful? So disgusting. You're getting fat. These jeans slid on two months ago. Now they're hanging on for dear life. I hope this is just period bloat. Who are you even kidding? Yara let out an exasperated sigh and yanked her sweater down. Yara had to get back to work, and she could only spend so long in the solo bathroom agonizing over her imperfections. She walked past the sea of cubicles, mostly empty as it was just past noon, into the communal fridge. She grabbed the limp salad she had packed for lunch that 
sat just next to a plastic container full of lasagna and understood, just for a moment, why people steal co-workers' food. Just as she slammed the fridge door shut, a chorus of laughter echoed through the open space. Yara had just started working at the fledgling marketing firm, on the tech side of things, under the promise of being a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Sure, the pay wasn't great, but she could build something here instead of being permanently stuck somewhere between the lower rungs of the corporate ladder. Their tech team consisted of her boss, one other guy in his late 20s, and her. Yara was told she'd be a project manager of sorts. What she mostly did was field update requests from existing clients, and despite her dev knowledge, it felt more like a customer service job than some fancy tech appointment. Most of the dev was outsourced, and there were mentions of eventually it being brought in-house, something she would love to spearhead. But once she arrived, she realized eventually could just as well mean never. The laughter she had heard came from a few people on the sales team, heading out to a long lunch, probably expensed, with some client. The hiring strategy for the sales team was clear. Young, good-looking, fit. The women were slim and perfectly groomed. The men were trim and perfectly groomed with a touch of slickness. Any one of them could probably start their own TikTok or Instagram and become a mega-influencer, but she could feel the corporate ambition oozing off of them whenever she walked by. Not that she begrudged them. They were the kind of women that Yara wished she was. That one day she hoped she could become. If only she tried harder. If only she could pull that version of Yara out from underneath the one that sheathed her like a thick, impenetrable layer of latex. It's easy to dislike those you envy. In fact, that's the most human reaction to take those down a notch in order to feel a little less shitty, it's not fair that someone could be hot, smart, popular, and successful. So if the universe was going to hand them everything on a platter, well, then why not find a reason to hate them? How else can the scales be balanced? No one is perfect, and if you look hard enough, you'll find your ammo. But Yara didn't dislike them. In fact, she didn't even know them. Sales and IT didn't mix much unless there was a problem that needed fixing, usually communicated via Slack, and having only been on the job a whole six weeks, Yara hadn't really had much opportunity for friendship making. But it was clear to her, as it had been her whole life, she was not one of them. At least not yet. Yara plopped down on her office chair and pulled the lid off of her reusable salad container. The once crisp leaves looked so forlorn. Her salad spinner had broken, and in her haste to get to work on time, she couldn't properly dry the lettuce leaves. They had withered to a dull, soggy heap. She popped out the little mini-me version of the salad container from the lid and languidly shook the dressing inside. Wet on top of soggy. Yum. Yara could go out to lunch, but she had just gotten this job, lost her roommate to a new boyfriend, forcing her to move to a different, smaller apartment within the same building, and she had massive student loans. She wasn't a tight budget. All she would be able to afford was fast food. And after that showing in the restroom, there was no way she deserved a single cheeseburger. She opened her portioned serving of dressing and placed it to the side of her bowl, delicately rationing the dressing on each bare leaf and grape tomato. As people brought back their lunches, the scent of all kinds of cuisine wafted in the air. It made her salad even more unpalatable as each bite squished instead of crunched. Russell, her teammate, came back with a double-stuffed burrito and sat at his desk. It smelled so fucking delicious. 
He glanced over at her. I don't know how you can live on that. All six feet and 170 pounds of him said just before smashing the burrito into his face. She bit into a piece of hard-boiled egg and lettuce and finally felt a crunch. Only it wasn't from the lettuce. Apparently, in her haste that morning, she had also left a little eggshell on. Nature's worst crouton. As the shell pulverized into a sandy texture in her mouth, her willpower ground to nothing along with it. With a grimace and then a resigned sigh, she sealed the lid back on the container, grabbed her jacket, and headed out to Wendy's. Yara had barely kicked off her shoes that evening after getting back from work when she saw a call from Jamie, her BFF. Hey, Yara answered half-heartedly, though she was genuinely glad to hear from her. She was just so tired. You sound great, Jamie replied. Yara barely chuckled. <laughs> I'm just beat. I'm supposed to go to the gym, but... Jamie sighed. They had known each other since seventh grade, and she had seen this so many times before. You just started a new job, moved out to a new place on your own for the first time. Go easy on yourself. Why don't you go for a walk, take in some fresh air, replenish your spirit? Yara shrugged. Nobody ever got ripped from walking. So are you excited for my visit? Jamie asked, hoping to lift Yara's spirits. I booked the flight, T-minus six weeks. Oh my god, yes, you have no idea. I miss you so much. Why did you have to get engaged, get a dream job, and move to a new hip city, loser? That only means I have money to visit you and enjoy some serious quality time. We're spending the whole weekend drinking wine and eating cheese and crackers and going to museums and being the sophisticated bitches we were meant to be. Since Janie had moved away a year and a half ago, they had always had at least one cheese, wine, and crackers picnic when she visited. Oh, I haven't had wine in God knows how long. I'm trying to cut back. I was being so good. Yara's doorbell rang. Is that... Oh, that better not be... Yara hushed Jamie as she peeked through the peephole. There he stood in all his glory. Vic, her stud neighbor. He was the perfect stereotype of the hot jeans and t-shirt guy. He always had three-day stubble and a stupidly perfect smile. He was a single dad with two kids, a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. It was as though he was served up to her by the Hallmark Universe. He was the only neighbor Yara had made friends with in her two years of living in the small complex. I'll call you back. Don't you... D Yara ended the call, her body language shifting from droopy and lifeless to wilting and coy. She pulled the front door open. Hey, Vic, how's it going? Hey, Yara, I'm good. How about you? Good, good. How's the new job? Getting the swing of things? Ugh, it's okay. It's a living, you know? I'm just hoping that as I get used to the place, they use my full capabilities and... Cool! Hey, I hate to spring this on you. She looked down and saw the little ones were in tow. One in a carrier and the other hugging onto his leg. She tried to hide her disappointment. They hadn't seen each other in a couple of weeks and she was hoping this was a social visit. Something just came up and I was hoping you could watch them. Oh no, is everything all right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm in a bind. 
I'm sorry to spring this on you. I, I know you're busy with all the changes, but their normal sitter can't take them, and Court will chew my head off if I ask her. You know how she is. Court is the kid's mom. They don't get along much. According to him, she's overbearing and nothing he does is ever good enough. Well, I guess. I was going to the gym, but honestly, I don't really want to, so I, I guess I could use the excuse and... Thanks. You're the best. Seriously. I don't know what I would do without you. He handed over the carrier, and the ambulatory one already knew the drill, skipping past Yora right over to the TV in the living area. Vic had been doing this nearly as long as they knew each other. Jamie hated his guts, but it wasn't always like this. Sometimes he would come over and hang out for a while while the kids were with their mom. They would play video games and eat pizza and stuff. He was a really fun guy. When it was just them, her apartment became a version of the world she envisioned for herself. She felt like one of the hot saleswomen at her job after a long day at work, hanging out with her hot boyfriend. She had a soft spot for Vic. She was in love with Vic. Oh, and here. He handed over a baby bag with a pained face. Abby is due for a feeding soon, and Colton hasn't had dinner. Order pizza. He pulled out his wallet. Fuck. I mean, shit. Darn. Yara chuckled at his poor attempt to tone down his language. I don't, I don't have cash. I'll pay you back. Promise. He gave Yara a kiss on the cheek, and her stomach twisted into an infinite network of knots. That was the payment she really craved. Colton fumbled with the TV remote. A recording of Real Housewives that Yara had been looking forward to all day played on the screen. I want to watch Caillou. She bit the inside of her lip. Not that bald little bitch. <sighs> yeah, okay, go ahead. After changing Abby's diaper, Yara called Janie back. Sorry about that. Did he? Did he freaking drop the kids off again? It's fine, really. It makes me feel less shitty about not making it to the gym. And he's a single dad. He doesn't have anyone. That doesn't make it okay for him to dump them on you. Shh, you're on speaker. Yara looked back to make sure Colton hadn't heard. Toddlers are like mockingbirds. Jamie huffed defiantly and proceeded in a hushed tone. I just wish you would know your worth. It's okay to say no, to set boundaries. You were just telling me how exhausted you are. You're right. I will. They had had this exchange more times than she cared to count. She knew Jamie was right to a degree, but she also didn't want to hear it. Deep down inside, she feared that putting her foot down would distance her from Vic. It simply didn't feel worth it. She needed him to need her if he didn't want her. Yara ordered pizza and fed Colton. She ate an extra slice and felt terrible about it, especially after the Wendy's fiasco. They watched kid shows all evening, and it wasn't until after 9 p.m. when she heard someone pulling up to the front of the building through her second floor window. She peered out through her shades as Vic stepped out of a truck. In it, she could see Vic, his bros, and perhaps a couple of women. One, who looked like she would fit right in on the sales team, emerged from the back seat. They didn't kiss, but he wrapped his arms around her waist and lifted her off the ground. She let out a flirtatious little squeal. Yeah, yeah, we'll hang out this weekend, she heard him say. He glanced up at the second floor window and she stepped out of view. Her heart sank as she clenched her fists. Something came up, huh? She would say. Was it your dick? In about ten minutes, there was a tap on the door. Nice to see you rushed back to grab a spawn. By this time, her frustration had reached its peak and was already lowering to a simmer. 
On the other side, Vic stood, puppy dog eyes activated, his hands in a prayer position. Thank you, thank you, thank you, he repeated. How did everything go? Yara wanted to sound sarcastic, but instead it came off as genuine concern. Either that, or Vic was oblivious because he didn't react. Everything turned out great. I appreciate you. I really do. We are short-staffed. It's crazy. I don't know what I would do without you. You're seriously the best. He placed a kiss on her forehead. She smelled a hint of booze. She bit back the tongue lashing. Jamie would be sickened if she saw this. Vic tiptoed into the house and picked Colton off the couch. Shit. Crap, he hissed. I forgot to get cash. I'll take care of you tomorrow. They had long established he didn't use money transfer apps. Yara had forgotten the reason by now, but it was most certainly a convenient one. Little Abby lay sleeping in the carrier, which he leaned over to grab. I I gotta tuck these babies in, but we'll talk soon. Thanks again. He offered a pained expression as he whispered to emphasize how much it hurt him to leave so soon. Friday couldn't come soon enough. First of all, it was payday. Second of all, there was a company-wide lunch, a little something from the higher-ups to show appreciation, and Yara thought a nice opportunity to finally get to know some people outside of the tech department and take an extra-long lunch. Her first stop on any Friday was to the tiny mail corner where everyone except the most senior had their little mail cubbies. Yara absentmindedly pulled out two envelopes and one piece of junk mail from her cubby. She tore at the first envelope, her paste up, and almost walked into a wall when she saw the total. It was approximately $900 more than she was expecting. Her heart raced with excitement, and then confusion? She skimmed for a bonus, a refund, something to make sense of it. Then the mystery was solved. The name at the top of the stub read Russell Armitage. Her name started as Arm for Armand, just like her fellow IT colleague. That meant their meal cubbies were right next to each other. This was clearly a simple mistake, and yet nothing about it was simple for Yara. Russell was making over 30% more than her. Sure, he had been there for a little over a year, but she was far more qualified. Her job title was technically above his, and she had more work experience, though he did not report directly to her. The department was too small for such formal hierarchies. She doubted that within a year she could get anything close to a 30% raise. As the realization dawned on her, her chest and neck grew hot as the hand holding the check shook with a mix of shame and rage. It was as if a bomb exploded inside of her and she had to swallow it whole. People whizzed by her in a cloudy haze as she stood there in her own frozen little bubble. That type of salary would change everything for her. She could pay off her loans faster, maybe get a personal trainer. While her first instincts were to direct her anger to Russell, who got his work done and admittedly was innocent in this whole thing, and then her employer, who was not, it quickly ricocheted back towards herself. Yara had always felt invisible, underestimated. She always had such a hard time standing up for herself. It just never felt worth rocking the boat. Anytime she tried to do it, she always ended up feeling guilty, and it never came out in the proud, triumphant speech she imagined in her head. Instead, she would shrink, almost apologizing for daring to speak out in the first place. She made excuses for others, rationalized the affront, but the hot rage that bubbled up in Yara's chest forced her to confront a choice she was all too familiar with. Stand up for herself, however uncomfortable that might be, or swallow down an injustice yet again. 
As she ran numbers through her head, she recalled she hadn't seen Vic in days, and he hadn't paid her back for the pizza. It would be the last time she let him drop off the kids like that, she vowed. The rest of her morning was spent in a daze. She couldn't focus on anything work-related as her thoughts reverted to the pay stub. She tried to manufacture justifications because it would be much easier to convince herself this was an honest oversight rather than know she was the sucker yet again or to have to overcome the pit in her stomach to attack the issue head on. Yara didn't bargain for a higher salary to begin with, or maybe because Russell was hired first, they spent too much on their hiring budget, leaving less for her package. Or maybe a surprise raise would be coming soon, and she would find herself in the same pay range as her colleague, Russell, who strolled in a few minutes late almost daily. Russell, who sometimes took too long at lunch. Russell glided along with the easiness of someone who felt things would always work out. A guy that ate infant-sized burritos for lunch and complained about not being able to gain weight. A guy who didn't apologize for his poor time management. According to his paycheck, it did always work out. By the time the company-wide lunch came around, Yara's mood was still sour. She watched as the room buzzed, as the senior management, those cheap bucks, chatted up underlings. She watched as the sales team, with their blinding smiles, charmed everyone in their path. In a moment of redirected assertiveness, Yara tucked her dark waves behind her ears, straightened out her t-shirt and chunky cardigan, and marched toward a group of mingling saleswomen. They all seemed so tall, despite all but one being similar to her in height. They wore heels and had fresh blowouts and manicures and perfect makeup. Things were a little more casual on her side of the building, where customer interactions were mostly over the phone or email. Yar braced herself. Hi! The timing was awful as it abruptly landed in the middle of a sentence and caught the four women off guard. Surprisingly, one smiled warmly. Hi! There was a pause as they waited for Yara to speak, but she hadn't thought that far ahead. I'm Morgan. You're new, right? Yeah, sort of. I work in IT. I'm helping rebuild the in-house CRM software. She may have overstated her part a little bit. That was mentioned to her in an interview as a possibility for growth, but definitely not what her work agenda looked like now, though it sounded far more important than the reality. Oh, thank God. It is much needed. We have so many issues with it in sales. It's dated and it freezes up all the time. She instantly regretted the exaggeration, but now she was forced to play along. Yeah, I've been trying to patch some things up to make it easier before pivoting to revamping it, but it's going to take a while. Who knows how long? She was hoping that vague statement would stop them from prying into the details she didn't have. You're a godsend then, another one interjected. They were really nice. Now that she was rolling with it, Yara had an idea. Oh, well, maybe we could grab lunch sometime, go over your issues, how you think it could be more efficient. There's nothing like real-world experience. They all agreed that that was a fine idea, and they'd put something in their calendar soon. The conversation pivoted to some new major accounts being landed. Yara knew their commission percentages, as all that info was in the in-house network. She did the math in her head. It seemed like everyone was making more money than her, most of all the sales team. The bright spot in meeting some new, cool work friends was overshadowed by the confirmation that she was not being paid anything near her worth. These women seemed assertive. They'd have marched into the office and demanded an answer right away. An hour or two after lunch, Yara decided she would tell her boss she wasn't feeling well. It wasn't a lie. She felt awful, but the sickness wasn't physical. 
She was going to figure this out, but she needed more time. She grabbed her things and decided to walk to a park nearby her home. On the way, she found herself in front of a new cupcake shop. It smelled so sweet, and they looked so cheerful in the window. She'd been good since that time she went to grab fast food and had some of Colton's pizza. She'd kept her calories low, but she had been so busy networking and her thoughts so consumed by the pay disparity, she barely touched the catered food. The scale had barely moved anyway, so what did it even matter? Before she could talk herself out of it, she found herself on a park bench with four cupcakes in a box. She would save some of them for later, maybe put them in the freezer. They tasted so sweet and their plump little bodies melted into her mouth in a sugary goo. This is better than sex, she thought, though it had been a while since she had had that. Cupcakes never disappointed her. They never criticized her, never made her feel less than, never underpaid her, never asked her to watch their mini cupcake children. They were pure happiness. Their buttery, sweet flavor hitting a pleasure center in her brain that had become increasingly more difficult to awaken in other aspects of life. Food had never let her down. Food was always there for her. And yet food was her greatest enemy. Actually, more like a frenemy. As she bit into her second cupcake, a vanilla one with pink frosting and sprinkles that looked like tiny white pearls, she heard someone shout her name. Yara? Yara, is that you? She looked up at the woman and hadn't the slightest idea who she was. Yara searched around for a napkin and tried to discreetly wipe the pink frosting off her lips. Uh, uh, I'm sorry? Yara scraped every last brain cell for a recollection, but simply could not place the person enthusiastically greeting her, a tall, slender redhead. It's me, Belinda Wellington, from high school? Belinda Wellington? Impossible. Belinda Wellington looked nothing like the woman in front of her, svelte in biker shorts and a sports bra. She had to be a size four tops. She remembered Belinda was always kind, always sweet, and when Yara saw herself as the kind of boringly average, smart, plump, awkward girl invisible to many, neither the focus of everyone's lust nor blatant cruelty, poor Belinda, who was almost six feet tall and at Yara's best guess, maybe three, even 400 pounds, could not simply slink into the shadows. Yara recalled the downright sadism doled out to Belinda during those formative years they went to school together. Belinda? As Yara's brain connected the Belinda she knew with the one in front of her, she could see what had not changed very much were Belinda's eyes, always bright and warm. They stood out even more now that her face had gotten so much thinner. Oh my god, Belinda Wellington, is that really you? I didn't recognize you. You look... wow. Yara laughed a bit, not at Belinda, but due to sheer incredulity. (laughs) Thanks, she replied, playfully jutting her hip out to the side. Being almost six feet now made her look like a goddamned supermodel. Yara remembered how, especially back then, before trendy clothing for big girls was even a thing, Belinda, at her stature and size, had to sew pants together to make a fitting pair. Sometimes there would be pockets at weird spots as a result. It was a source of humor for some of the student body. Yara noticed the occasional random passerby giving Belinda a second glance. Belinda had become a New York 10. How are you doing? I'm... Yara remembered the box of cupcakes on the bench behind her and peered at the bits of frosting in her nail beds. Great. You look great, too. I swear you haven't changed since high school. Belinda was just being polite, Yara was sure. 
They caught up. Belinda was getting her PhD in psychology. She seemed like she had blossomed in adulthood. Yara was happy for her. They spoke about Jamie, who also went to school with them. Belinda confessed she had always envied Jamie's self-assuredness. Hell, Yara did too. The conversation was coming to its natural close. They hadn't really talked specifics about Belinda's physical transformation since Belinda didn't offer it and Yara felt rude asking. But the question lurked in Yara's mind the entire time. How did she do it? How did she get so thin and yet look so bright and vibrant and healthy? No thinned hair or sallow skin, the typical signs of someone who's dieting down to nearly nothing. No signs of stretch marks or loose skin or visible surgery scars. That was nearly a physical impossibility with a transformation that drastic. Was it bariatric surgery? A new type of body tuck? Pilates? Yara had to know. Belinda smiled. Well, it was so great seeing you. We should exchange numbers. Sure. Hey, I hope this isn't prying, but you look so good. Like, <laughs> wow. What did, what did, what did you do? How? Got any tips for, for me? <laughs> Yara asked with a nudge and a wink. Oh, I just, you know, changed my habits. For once in her life, Yara had found herself not content to let something slide. She felt a different type of hunger forming in her. One that wanted to consume the details of Belinda's weight loss journey the way she had just done to the cupcake. But like, what specifically? Is there a special diet? A class? I want to do whatever you're doing. I need to get in shape. Belinda looked Yara up and down. But you look fine. Fine. Fuck fine. Yara didn't want to look fine. She wanted to look foine. She wanted to be desired. She wanted people to ogle her the way the passerby ogled Belinda now. Thank you, but I don't feel fine. Yara's whole body sank. The ruse of the classic catch-up conversation, how everything was great, how she's loving her new job and apartment, just dissipated. She told Belinda everything about her yo-yoing, her job, even Vic. She watched as Belinda's eyes warmed with sympathy. She remembered this about Belinda, that no matter how cruel people were to her, she never became that way herself. Belinda knew that pain. Belinda knew what it was like to be seen but unseen, to be known but unknown, to have judgments made about who she was without ever uttering a word. To be thought of as lazy, even when she jogged in the sweltering heat as her knees crunched and ached, and despite getting straight A's and getting into three highly coveted universities, all with full scholarship. To be thought of as an insatiable pig, even when she had gone on an all-liquid diet at fat camp and lost 50 pounds only to gain 60 back as soon as she reintroduced solid food back at home. To grab a slice of pizza at a party just like everyone else and have someone offer unsolicited advice about her choices. But when she looked at Yara, she saw someone who wasn't truly seeing herself. Sure, Yara wasn't skinny or ripped. Maybe she had some cellulite, maybe some rolls when she sat down, but so what? Belinda would have killed to look like Yara in high school. Belinda didn't even want to take the pill at first when it was offered. She was terrified it would backfire in some way. She'd gone to therapy, did the work to accept herself and to let go of the traumatic teenage years. In fact, that's why her doctor told her she was a good candidate. She had a good head on her shoulders. These drastic changes, they don't 
always make things better, at least not in the way you expect. But she knew what mattered was what Yara thought. She saw the pain in Yara's eyes. She knew about the secretly shed tears because she had shed them too. Yara, who had been so nice to Belinda in high school when the jocks would call her a yeti and throw pencil shavings in her hair, or when people would make oink noises in the hallway while everyone switched classes, the echoes making it impossible for her to know who exactly was doing it so that she felt it could be anyone and everyone. Belinda tried to let her down easy. You're probably not a good candidate. You have to get a referral from my doctor, Dr. Tartanian. I was getting close to 500 pounds, and he only suggested it because I had been a patient for years. My knees were getting really bad. I was developing terrible arthritis. I was having trouble walking. My back pain had become unbearable. I was having fertility issues with PCOS. He wouldn't even have referred me if it wasn't for... Referred you to where? Yara asked. Belinda still struggled with saying no. Growing up desperate for friendship made that word feel like an insult rolling off her lips, especially to people she liked. She just wanted everyone to be happy, and she certainly didn't want to make them unhappy. Belinda bit her lip, looking over her shoulder. She reached for Yara's arm and pulled her aside as if there were prying ears in the park. So there's this little experimental thing, really experimental. It's not FDA approved or anything. It's this little clinic, a weight loss clinic on the other side of town. It's like a trial, but it's complicated. I'm not even supposed to tell anyone. Belinda hesitated again. Don't stop there. I promise I won't tell anyone. I swear to God. Though things had shifted on their face in the social order, Yara and Belinda still had the remnants of their high school social hierarchy. Those types of things stay imprinted. Yara still had some power. She could push Belinda. Belinda held silent for a beat, but Yara bored a hole through her with her eyes. After today's events, she was determined. This was kismet. Before she knew it, Belinda was telling her secret. And as is often the case with secrets, once you open that vault, it's not a little crack of the door. No, the whole thing swings wide open. It feels good to share, to commiserate. Yara had told her secrets. Now Belinda would tell hers. It's a pill, but you take it just once, and it basically kickstarts your metabolism, they think. It overrides whatever it is inside of you that determines the X factor you know, that mysterious difference between naturally, effortlessly thin people, people who could just eat whatever they want, not count a single calorie, and people like me? They aren't even sure of the mechanism. It was supposed to be for something else, but it didn't work for the other thing, so it's being used off-label. And it's not FDA-approved. Anyway, it just makes your cells rev up. I feel the nutrients coursing through my body, fueling me and making me want to move. I don't diet intentionally. I just eat what I want and I exercise now because it feels good. Yara realized she couldn't remember the last time she exercised for pleasure. It was always about fighting herself in some way. Are there side effects? Yara asked. One thing she hadn't messed with yet was diet pills. She didn't want a heart attack. She had that much sense. None that I have experienced. I'll be honest, I have never had more energy. My skin, my nails, my hair are so lush. And you know those people, the slender people who have never dieted a day in their life? The ones who could just never understand? It turns you into that girl. Yara had always dreamed of being that girl. The ever-elusive cool girl who could down a burger, fries, and a beer with the boys and maintain a perfectly taut physique. 
who didn't see her relationship with food as fraught, who didn't count every calorie and fight her own taste buds every waking moment of her existence, only to succumb to the inevitable call of that sweet release, the dopamine rush and comfort of flavor, followed by the inevitable showdown in front of the mirror where she did her postmortems, pinching the fat on her hips and bloated stomach, berating herself for being weak. If you could just control yourself, then you'd be hot, successful, assertive, insert infinite traits. If you could just fix this one thing, then you'd be all the things you ever wanted. You'd be happy. You'd be successful. You'd be loved. So what happens when you take the pill? Well, nothing the first day, but well, then I woke up the next day and I just felt like I had a brand new engine, tons of energy, vitality, and an appetite I hadn't had before. The image of a little round Prius being monster trucked by a proud Hummer played in Yara's thoughts. Where is it? The, the place? Oh. Belinda's voice trailed off a bit. Her hesitation came back. Are you having health issues? Her doctor said she was in excellent health at her last physical. Um, no. Honey, you're beautiful. No, no, this is exactly what I need. I, I, I'm in a rut. And yeah, I'm not like hundreds of pounds overweight on a scale, but this is not me. I'm just so tired. I just feel looked over, invisible. Yara held back frustrated tears. Look at you, Belinda. You seem so happy and full of energy and you're doing well professionally. Yara glanced down at the giant wedding ring they had discussed while catching up. And you're happily married. You found love. Drew and I started dating before all this, Belinda interjected. The conversation was moving too fast for her to be fully offended at the implication, but Yara was on a path and Belinda's resolve was wearing down. She couldn't just say it. She couldn't just spit out the two-letter word that would stop Yara in her tracks. Oh, of course, Yara replied. But what about all that energy? I would love that. I need that. It's a medical intervention. This wasn't about fitting into smaller genes. They don't give this pill to everyone. My doctor said so. He said you had to meet a bunch of requirements and it had to be a last resort. It's not something to be taken lightly. Maybe you should talk to your doctor about your concerns. Maybe something else is going on that doesn't show up in a physical. You mentioned dieting a lot. Maybe you're not getting enough fuel. <sighs> Belinda, do I look malnourished? Please, just let me find out for myself if this is right for me. Yara had one. Okay, okay, fine. Give me your number. And this place is very low-key. They may not even let you in, okay? She texted the address to Yara. Belinda hoped maybe she could send Yara to the clinic and they'd give her a wake-up call, tell her that what she needed was to adjust her view of food and exercise, to stop believing she didn't deserve good things until some magic number on the scale had been achieved, that she deserved it all along. But ultimately, she just hoped Yara would listen to an expert because she certainly didn't want Belinda's opinion on the matter. Belinda knew Yara wouldn't get the pill anyway. There was no way in hell she'd qualify. Yara felt a rush as the secret intel hit her cell. On the day she felt the lowest, someone from her past showed her that her dream was achievable. This had to be that critical moment in the books or movies where the character finds their calling. She was almost shaking with excitement she felt it so strongly. They hugged. I'm so glad I ran into you. I really needed this, Yara uttered into Belinda's ear. Belinda pulled away from Yara and clenched her shoulders, giving her a warm smile. You take care of yourself. You know, I learned something in this journey, 
And it's that the world does treat you differently when you're 125 pounds versus 400 pounds. But the ones who deserve you, the ones who really matter, would have loved you no matter what. And it won't fix everything. You're still going to be you inside there. It's not about you deserving those people or things, but whether they deserve you. Nothing is stopping you from demanding that raise or setting boundaries with that neighbor guy right now. What Yara heard were platitudes. Meaningless drivel designed to keep her satisfied with mediocrity. Yada yada, it's what's on the inside that counts, sure. But Belinda said it herself. The world does treat you differently when you're thin and beautiful. No boys would have thrown pencil shavings in this Belinda's hair. Nonetheless, Yara regretted not staying in touch with such a beautiful soul. She could only offer a gentle nod back to Belinda. It wasn't worth debating when she had already gotten what she wanted. Cynically, she thought, it all was so easy for Belinda to say now that she looked like that. Belinda bit her lip and looked over at the bench, her eyes lighting up with a flicker of desire. Hey, are you going to finish those cupcakes? Yara had forgotten all about them, and now her appetite was completely erased by excitement. Uh, no? Belinda began to inch over to the bench. Do you mind? I swear I eat so much more now. Like I said, my metabolism, pew! She poked her thumb up to indicate how much it had skyrocketed. No, please, be my guest. It's the least I could do. Yara watched as Belinda hugged the box with a restrained fervor. She wondered what it would be like to have cupcakes without ever doing another mental calculation. As she watched her long-limbed slip of an old friend walk away, practically distending her jaw like a snake to devour the cupcake, she decided she would do whatever it took to get her hands on that pill. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yara didn't waste another minute after getting the info from Belinda. She looked for directions and saw that the spot was across town and there was no way she'd get there during normal business hours using public transport. Belinda had only texted her an address and that didn't yield a website or business listing of any sort. Despite Yara's vow to cut down on rideshares, she opened the app and requested a driver. She simply could not wait. It took about 20 minutes for the driver to pull up 
to an old plaza in a rundown part of town, an area that once had its prime but now had shopping centers like this one, with most of its windows backed with brown paper sheets and for lease signs taped to them. The only two signs of life were an exotic bird store and a check cash place. This it? The driver asked as he pulled up to a storefront with no signs of life. Yara double-checked the address Belinda gave her and looked up at the address on the door. One number was missing, but she could deduce from the address next door that this was it. She muttered, Yeah, and then, I hope Belinda didn't screw me over, under her breath. Yara slid out of the back seat. A gust of wind blew an errant crumpled fast food bag in front of her, like an urban tumbleweed. She looked back and noticed the driver was still there, watching her, perhaps because he wasn't comfortable leaving her here in this desolate parking lot. She walked up to the door, pulled, and much to her surprise, it opened. The driver pulled away just as she peered in. It was a clinic that looked like it hadn't been updated since the 80s, with its rows of mauve chairs, laminate floors, and some faux marble design, and teal formica reception counter. It was completely empty, but clean, and there were files on shelves behind the reception desk, so it didn't appear abandoned. Yara had a moment of doubt. This was sketchy, wasn't it? But then she remembered Belinda, who was positively the image of health and joy. She wanted that. She needed that. Anyway, how was this any different from a Weight Watchers meeting? Those things were held in some weird locations. A short man, perhaps in his 60s in a lab coat, meandered from somewhere in the back of the clinic to the employee side of the reception area. He was humming to himself and clearly unaware of her presence. Yara cleared her throat, and he startled. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, she blurted. He shot a glance at the door behind her, annoyed. That was supposed to be locked. May I help you? Um, well, yes, I think so. Um, I was hoping I could see someone today. Today? he asked, without hiding the inconvenience tone in his voice. He grabbed a clipboard from the desk in front of him. I don't see anything on here for a 5.30. What is your name? Referring physician? Yara froze. She could be honest and say she just really wanted the pill. She was healthy and young and would do great with it, she was sure. But she remembered Belinda mentioning needing a referral. Dr. Tartanian, she spat out. The man looked at his watch again, then he looked at her from head to toe. I'll have to call him. He picked up the phone and Yara's pulse sped up. Her story was about to implode. She tried to think of something, anything, to stop him. Ugh, he grunted as he lowered the receiver back onto its base. They closed at five. He tisked at himself, observing Yara for what felt like minutes, but it was only seconds. Finally, he nodded and gestured for her to follow. Turn that lock on the front door. I don't need any more surprise visitors. The man guided Yara past the door that separated the waiting room from the exam rooms. She noticed some carts left in the hallways with boxes and folders that looked like they needed filing. My receptionist had a family emergency, so I told her to go ahead and I would close up, the man offered. Hmm, she must have forgotten to enter the appointment. It was last minute, Yara added. She usually didn't lie like this. She hated lying. The man sort of grumbled something to himself and gestured for Yara to enter one of the rooms. He let out a sigh as if to transition from an overwhelmed, disgruntled boss to attentive healthcare professional. Yara wasn't sure what his actual credentials were, but she wasn't going to rock the boat. 
Okay, I am Dr. B. Please step on that scale. Yara held her breath as she stepped on the scale. Normally, she'd pull off every item of clothing she could afford, trying to slip off every ounce. But this time around, she wanted that scale to tip as heavy as it could. Hmm, he said as he slid the little metal notches into their place. Okay, have a seat. He gestured to the exam table before taking a seat on his little rolling stool. So, Dr. Tartanian sent you here, he asked skeptically. What for? The weight loss program. Program? He asked. Yes, the... The... She swallowed the word. The pill. He crossed his arms, leaning back. I must be honest. I don't believe that one bit, young lady. He didn't say a word. He just gave her that don't bullshit me look. She was so busted. She couldn't even attempt to continue the ruse. She hoped her newfound persistence could work again. Okay, yes, Dr. Tartanian is not my doctor, but I saw a patient of his, and she looks amazing, and I begged her to tell me how she did it. I'll pay whatever the cost is, well, whatever I can afford. I have some savings. Yes, the savings for a new used car, but what was a car compared to this? With her transformed body, she'd run across town. Dr. B didn't say much, at least not with his voice, but his expression said it all. He huffed and proceeded to check her vitals, her blood pressure, made her touch her toes, and some other random stuff. Then he sat there, his hand folded up against his mouth in a thinking pose, watching her for a few moments. He didn't seem angry. No, it was like he was absorbing her, trying to understand this person in front of him in order to decide his next course of treatment. Yara sat on the exam table, her hands folded on her lap. She adjusted herself a few times. Her eyes darted around the room. Finally, he started to speak, and she perked up. Ma'am, this is a very sensitive treatment, and you are not a good candidate. Yara felt the exact kick to the gut that she did when she saw Russell's paycheck. What? Why not? The doctors that send people to me do so with rigorous pre-screening. There's a set of qualifications, both physical and mental. Only very select people can take this drug. I cannot help you. So what can I do? What will it take to qualify? I cannot help you, young lady. Yara's eyes began to well up. She had always taken no. She had let herself be underappreciated in her social and work life. She had let people step all over her. But this was it. This was the thing that would change her life. If she pushed here, she would have the confidence to push everywhere else. After the pill did its thing. This was all the universe's plan. It all became so clear to her. So even to her own surprise, she didn't budge. Listen, I know this place isn't exactly endorsed by the American Medical Association. This isn't FDA approved or anything. I bet you can get this from somewhere overseas. You could give it to whoever you want. This is a cash cow for you and your referring doctors, right? The man didn't flinch a single face muscle. I don't want to get in the way of that. I won't hold you liable for the side effects. I think Big Pharma is a crock, and people were going to Mexico for AIDS meds long before the treatments were available in the U.S., right? As I said, ma'am, I cannot help you. 
you can go set an appointment for Dr. Tartanian, but he is a bariatric doctor, and I don't think you're going to be happy with his answer. Now, I won't charge you for this appointment, but you must go. Yara was hot and sweaty under the collar. She had never pushed this hard against a rejection ever. Well, is there anything else? Do you offer maybe milder treatments? No, we do not. This man was no Belinda. He wielded the power of no. He stood up. Now, I'd like to finish closing. Yara had pushed as far as she could, and she felt she'd throw up from the rejection. She pushed one final time, figuring she had nothing to lose. As she said the words, her voice trembled. I don't think the DA or mayor would like to hear that a shady medical clinic is giving out illegal weight loss drugs. Dr. B took a long breath, but kept his poker face as he opened the door. (sighs) Please leave now. I need to finish here. Yara knew she had reached an impasse with this man. She bowed her head in shame. My God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me. I'm so embarrassed. I, I've just been having a hard time in life and work. I'm sorry to have disturbed you. She turned on her puppy dog eyes. Could I just use the restroom? It was a long drive out here, and I'm going to have to wait for a rideshare to get back. Dr. B's face softened a bit, and he nodded, pointing down the hall to the bathroom. He watched attentively as she began to walk down the hall. A ringer broke through the silence. He produced a cell phone from his pocket and answered, diving loudly into a conversation in another language. Thank you. She mouthed as he walked up to the front desk, out of sight. She could hear he was engrossed, irritated with the person on the other line as he aggressively flipped through the papers in the reception area. Yara gently paced toward one of the carts in the hall. There were folders and a box with the word lipolethros on it. Dr. B's tone cooled down, and it sounded like he was wrapping up. Then he said a word she didn't understand, but it felt like goodbye. The sound of his flip phone snapping shut rang through the vacant clinic. Yara impulsively snatched one of the little pill packets, running into the bathroom before he made his way back to her. Yara ran the tap to pretend she was washing her hands and then exited. Dr. B was standing back at his post, stone-faced. She avoided his glare. Okay, well, thank you, and I'm sorry about all this. Then she scurried away. Though she had no ride yet, Yara couldn't wait in the parking lot, not with the contraband in her pocket. She walked out of the little shopping plaza in a random direction, realizing after a few minutes that it was getting dark and the rundown area was a terrible place for a lone woman. When the rideshare she called arrived, she wordlessly thrust herself in the back seat, simply giving a, uh uh-huh, to the driver when he confirmed her name. She pulled the ill-gotten treasure out of her pocket and stared at it, not unlike Gollum at his ring. The packet was actually just a tiny little manila envelope. A white sticker, like the type on the pill bottles from the pharmacy, simply said, Lipolethros. Beneath that, it simply read, Take one pill. Can be consumed with or without food. That was it. She wouldn't get a talk from her doctor about side effects or dosing. Yara typed lipolethros into Google, but simply found a single reference in another language that used an unfamiliar alphabet. It looked like a research paper posted to a message board by a deleted user, and it was scanned poorly so the search engine could not translate. She was on her own now, too ashamed to reach out to Belinda and admit she had stolen the drug after having used her to gain access to the clinic. 
Yara opened the little yellow flap and squeezed the edges of the envelope to get a better view. There it was. A little pink pill. No bigger than the Advil she took for cramps. Was this it? This little thing turned Belinda into an energetic, perfect supermodel? It didn't feel possible. What drug changes you permanently after a single dose? Yara dropped the pill into her open palm. I have water if you need it. The only words the driver had spoken since greeting her. His acknowledgement of the pill in her hand made her feel criminal. Like he knew she was a thief. Like he could sense it on her. Sure, she pulled one of the off-brand pints of water from the back seat pocket. Thanks. Just then, he pulled up to her block. For once, she hoped she wouldn't see Vic. She needed time alone to think, to strategize. Should she call in sick to work tomorrow, only six weeks in? Those fuckers were underpaying her anyway. If she needed to, she would. Yara raced into her apartment and placed the little pill on her kitchen counter. It would sit there while she decided. Suddenly, gnawing hunger hit her stomach. With the stress and excitement, she craved a bowl of mac and cheese. The real shit. All ooey and gooey with milk and tons of cheese. But she stopped keeping that stuff at home since restarting her diet. She opened her fridge and was greeted by various condiments. A pack of raw chicken breasts, some leftover soup, a bag of raw Brussels sprouts, and a carton of egg whites. None of that seemed appetizing. In fact, she'd rather not eat at all if those were her options. Because what she fucking wanted was the mac and cheese. She didn't want cauliflower mac and cheese or non-dairy gluten-free mac and cheese. She wanted the processed flour and the butter and the milk, at least three cheeses, and sure, breadcrumbs, okay? Real fucking breadcrumbs. Why was having mac and cheese such a goddamn psychological nightmare? And why could so many seemingly normal people have it and just go on with their day without feeling like they had just massacred a room full of Padawans? Because what kind of fucking pig just can't say no to mac and cheese. Gwyneth Paltrow eats like 500 calories a day, and she can afford all the food she wants. And some people could just eat a little bit and feel satisfied, and others could eat a ton but not feel like a bloated mess the next day. And so what? Yara, you aren't one of those lucky bitches who can take or leave food. You have to work for it. Boo fucking who? You aren't even trying to lose 100 pounds, just fucking 15. Though honestly, 30 would be mwah. But you can't, can you? Because you're lazy and path- Yara's phone rang with the Death Star theme, specifically designated for one special person. One whose call she had avoided two times this week, and so she could no longer. Lest she be subjected to a barrage of guilt when she inevitably did answer. She accepted the FaceTime call. Hi, Mom. Oh, hi. I didn't expect you to pick up. Yara rolled her eyes. Well, here I am. What's wrong, hon? You look so tired. Why did every word of that woman's mouth feel like a judgment? Just had a long day. I'm trying to fix dinner. What are you making? Not sure. I, I don't have much here. If you prepared more, you wouldn't be wondering what to eat. Eating out all the time isn't good for you. Thanks for the profound wisdom, Yara thought. 
but didn't have the energy to rebut. So she deflected. What about you? Have you had dinner? Oh, a salad. I'm doing this thing where I have a protein shake for lunch and then a salad with a squeeze of lemon for dinner every day, except on Fridays between 4 p.m. and 10 p.m. Yara shrugged her eyebrows in confusion. Why? Oh, it's a paleo hybrid thing. Cleanses the system. Mom, your kidneys do that. Yara rummaged through her cupboard for something, anything she had forgotten she stocked that also have to be decadent, delicious, and healthy. This guy on YouTube? No, Mom, don't. Yara waved her hand at the screen. She couldn't stomach yet another new diet trend her mom would latch onto. She didn't understand it. Her mom was tiny, as in bird-boned and barely five feet. Yara had gotten her father's robust genes. Anyway, is that the sweater I got you for Christmas? Mom asked. Yara looked down at the thing, tugging on it. Oh, yeah, it is. Hmm... Mom didn't finish the sentence, but the rest of it was just sitting right there on the backside of her lips. Yara knew what she was going to say. Yara knew how she would feel. And yet, she always took the bait. What about it? Oh, nothing. It just... It's just that it fits so loose on Christmas morning. Have you been using the gym membership I've been paying for? She waved off the implication before Yara could reply, but the question had already made her point. Maybe it shrunk in the wash. It's wool, dry clean only, and I took care of it, Yara responded flatly. It's okay, I know you're under a lot of stress, and I just read an article about how birth control- Mom, can we just not- A vein in Yara's temple began to throb as hunger and anger built up inside. I'm fine. Everything is fine. The sweater fits- Fine. Mom sat quietly on the other end, her face a little sad. Because, after all, it was Yara, who was her wayward child, who was so sensitive and could never take a little constructive feedback, who cried in the dressing room when her prom dress didn't zip up after a fitting, and Mom simply suggested she cut down on candy bars. Yara still thought of that experience on occasion. In fact, every time she went into a dressing room... (laughs) And every time she rehearsed all the things she would have said to her. Well, mom, my tits grew like two whole sizes the last semester of senior year because I was a teen. And you know what teen bodies do? They grow. They change shape. I have double D's, mom. They won't fit into an extra small like your A's. But it didn't matter. These lessons were passed down from her mother and her mother's mother and so on. A true family legacy. Oh, do you remember the neighbor from three houses down when we lived in the blue house? Huh? Who? I was eight when we left that house. He died. Terrible accident. A stray dog mauled him to death. Yara let out a prolonged sigh, lest she explode from the pressure that always seemed to build in her head the second she accepted a call from her mom. Okay, well, on that note, I have to go. I'm starving and I need to get to bed early. How's the new job? She wasn't doing this today, the 25-minute goodbye. It's great, Mom. Everything is great. I'll call you soon, I promise. Love you. Okay, love you, sweetie. Yara ended the call, slamming the phone down with a level of violence the innocent thing did not deserve, and spun away from it. Her eyes instantly met the pill on the counter. The little pink miracle. She always felt like she went 10 rounds with Ali after every single call with her mom. 
this call was pretty short and mild, all things considered, but Yara's nerves had already been frayed before she took it. Even if Yara's day was going well, Mom would always find a way to jab a poker into wounds that never fully healed. Even her compliments were insults. Yara was even more hungry and tired than before. She now wanted to finish off the mac and cheese with a slice of chocolate cake. It would feel so, so good. And what would feel even better would be not having to feel guilty about it. Not having to worry about a Christmas sweater fit check with mom. No hangover, no bloat, no guilt, all upside. Maybe Yara could have that if she just swallowed that little pill. One thing was sure, she was going to order the mac and cheese. Because if this thing worked soon, she'd be raking it in like the women on the sales team. So now was as good a time as any to put this lipolethros to the test. She cracked open the little water bottle she kept from the rideshare and downed the pill before she could talk herself out of it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 